The following program was made possible by Ward's lawyers. Find us at wardlegal.ca. Okay, says they're all free, so let's try this one. Happy birthday. Not quite right. How about... Happy birthday to you. Nope. Oh, hang on, there's this one. Happy birthday to you. Huh, starting to understand why you don't have to pay for any of these. All right, one more try. Chipmunks. You know, you'd think that of the billions of free happy birthday songs out there, that one of them, just one of them, might sing Happy Second Birthday Advocate Podcast Stories from Kawartha Lakes. But nope. I'm not sure this internet thing is going to catch on. Well, why don't we just acknowledge our second anniversary? And most important, why don't we thank you, dear listeners, for ensuring we have been around for two years as of today. All right, let's start the show. Brr. That's the international sound for I'm cold. I wonder if four people new to ice fishing are going brr. We talked to them in a bit from Sturgeon Lake. Carissa Ward joins us to impart some legal wards of wisdom when it comes to transferring the family farm. Music by Close Kicks and some dreamlike radio theater that's inspired by life as we know it for now. My name is Denny Gringell. This is the program I host for two years now. It's called The Advocate Podcast, stories from Kawartha Lakes. People have been very, very supportive. You know, can you open just to sell us popcorn? So we did that. We opened for two Saturdays. For two and a half hours, I was nonstop popping popcorn. The lineup did not end, and it was fantastic. It was 100% just people wanting to support. That was Sheila Dominic, co-manager of the Century Cinemas in Lindsay. You know Sheila, right? She greets you at the ticket box office there. Always so upbeat and happy, just so much into her job. She was describing how the local movie theater managed to stay relevant, even when the movie theater couldn't actually show movies. Well, now they can show movies again. I was there this past Saturday. So nice to indulge in one of my favorite pastimes amongst other human beings. Now, the experience isn't quite what it was before you-know-what, But there is some hope ahead, and this time we mean it, right? Some restrictions have been eased and more are scheduled soon. I spoke with Sheila and her co-manager Bill Howell in the lobby of the theater after the credits finished rolling. We had our masks on. I started by asking them what this roller coaster of almost exactly two years has been like for them. Frustrating for customers, frustrating for us, frustrating for the owners. Just... Everybody not knowing what the rules are, wearing the mask, not wearing the mask, um, just QR codes, passports, can we come in, can't we come in? What was that learning curve like for the both of you to, to understand the, how that all that, well, all that technology, even how that works? The government doesn't make it easy. Um, you try to go to the website and you've got some information for restaurants and it's different for us and it's different for the gyms and you try to find information and you can't. Um, We finally get the information that we need and then try to relay that to the public. They're not knowing what they need. We're trying to explain it to them. They're getting frustrated. Uh, We're getting frustrated. Um, Now when you say, are they getting frustrated with you or the system? I'm just wondering how they they respond to you. (laughs) With the system, but we're the ones in front of them. For the most part, they've been really good. 
they understand and they like the fact that we are carding everybody. We're following the rules. I mean, you go to many places, they're not following the rules, you know. I know everybody wants to survive, but you got to do what you got to do. The change just hasn't been constant. It's been up and down, up and down. We go to open, we have a lot of stock. Nope, we're closing it down. So we kind of got a handle on that and just started really toning everything down on the ordering. Yeah, there was that one, what was it, uh, on the Good Friday. We thought we're, we were good to open for the, for the weekend. And then they're like, nope, you can open one day. So we were all prepared and excited to open and we were good, open for one day. I mean, everybody was very receptive. The customers were great. They supported us. We maxed out on capacity on cinemas and uh, people still end up buying snacks to go home with. So it worked out. It worked out really well. People have been very supportive in that sense. Does that surprise you that there was that support versus the, um, the them being upset and, and almost seeing you as the, you know, the proxy for the government imposing all of these rules? A little bit in the beginning because, you know, the stay-at-home frustration was boiling over, and then they'd come here and then we'd say we got to follow the law. The fine's too great on us personally, and it's. I get it. I understand. Yeah. Beyond the revenue that this that you need to keep this place going, what's the the one thing that you missed, or several things that you missed the most, even beyond like the the money coming in? Uh, people laughing and and having a good time. <laughs> yeah, just just customers, our, our regular customers coming in, um, and uh, just seeing without the mask, seeing their faces. I mean, that's the one thing you can't see right now is all you see are eyeballs. <laughs> you want to, I want to be able to see people again. It was sad. It's like, I mean, our boss has been, has been fantastic. So uh, he made it very clear that the doors would reopen. So we knew that was going to happen. We weren't worried about that. Um, but uh, it was just the waiting period of when. When is it going to end up happening again? Um, well, here we are now. It is happening again. Yeah. In, in the grand scheme of things, this isn't technically considered an essential service. No. Where would you place this, though, in, in the grand scheme of, of what we need in the community? I mean, I'll be honest. I've come to movies here. Uh, I've seen movies that I might not have seen otherwise, but I just wanted to get out. <laughs> to an extent, it is an essential service because with everybody being shut down like they are, they need a, an outlet, they need entertainment, and sitting at home is not the same as getting out. So for a lot of people, this is a, f a form of necessity. For everybody's mental health, you have to get out. So I mean, you could watch Spider-Man, you, you could stream it, but you're still in your own four walls, and you're still surrounded by just your immediate people. But if you can get out into somebody else's four walls and get around other people, for the, everybody's mental health, it, it's necessary. It's needed. You need to get out with other people. Hi, I'm Bill. Hi, I'm Sheila. We're with the Century Cinemas and Lindsay. And you're listening to... The Advocate Podcast. Stories from Cortha Lakes. Our show is made possible by the good folks at Ward's Lawyers, our official sponsor. For all your legal needs, the team at Ward's has you covered. Find them at wardlegal.ca. 
We are part of the same family as The Advocate magazine and The Advocate Online and 100% local media. In our February issue, available at Lamentia's Country Market and the Valencia General Store, among other locations across the city, you'll find Ian McKechnie's feature on the Railroad Trainmen Union Strike of 1910. What's the best word to describe the month of February? How about blah? Okay, but sometimes you just need to bundle up, maybe strap on those snowshoes, or hop on a snow machine and seek not warmer climbs, but, well, colder ones in the middle of a lake, like, say, Scugog Lake, and drop a fishing line in a hole in the ice. <laughs> That's what four fellows from Kawartha Lakes are doing right now for the very first time ever. They are Chris Schmidt, Daryl James, Louis Segura, and Ryan Crozier. Hmm, I wonder how that's working out for them. Well, let's start with Chris. No doubt holding his cell phone with his mittens. Hey, Danny, how you doing? I'm well, and yourself? Very good, thank you. Set the scene for me now, Chris. What would I be seeing if I was 20 feet away from you? What would I be looking at? Well, we are standing out on Sturgeon Lake in Pleasant Point. And how would you describe the view, Daryl? Yeah, it's absolutely gorgeous. It's like we couldn't have asked for a better day. No wind. Are you inside a, a, a structure of some kind, like even a cardboard box? or? We set up a pop-up tent, got the heater going, and did not set foot inside of it to take until we took it down. Lou went on his very first snowmobile ride. What do you think of that, Lou? It was... Uh... A moment frozen in time. <laughs> Lou okay. was so cold, he came back bleeding from a snowmobile ride and stepped into the tent to warm up. Lou had that line in his back pocket, a moment frozen in time. I, I <laughs> That's just too perfect a statement. <laughs> that, that is why he is the wordsmith. Okay, well, tell me about the actual experience of, of fishing, because I, I understand you're all new to this. Very new. I think we still are. We're going to get past the new stage. Yeah, we got our fourth beetle with us as well, which is Ryan's. <laughs> who had experience yesterday ice fishing and learned everything you should not do. So, Such as? What, what did Ryan learn yesterday that you are not doing today? Well, he set up a pop-up shelter yesterday without in the wind, without a hammer to, or drill to put in the pegs. So it was very challenging. So we learned to prepare for that. We augered three holes by hand. Is it a proper ice auger, or did you just put something at the end of a, a little Makita hand drill? It was a proper ice auger that uh, Chris brought us out, so worked easily, got it done, and we, you know, dropped a couple lines and didn't catch anything. Really? Didn't well, even have a bite. Well, that's why it's called fishing as opposed to catching, I guess. So, okay. I guess so, yeah. Okay, well, d describe to me uh, what your impressions were this morning when you were all individually heading out and, and you saw that red bar across Environment Canada weather uh, page that said there was a cold warning. What were you thinking then? Honestly, I was not looking forward. I figured I'd be like in the uh, in the hut right away. But when we got out here, it was kind of the reality set in that it was too gorgeous to actually go inside. I don't know. I've, I, I really for the, my first experience to be outside enjoying like a some ice ice fishing. This is if this was every weekend, every Sunday, I would uh, I would do it. 
Really? But you haven't caught yeah. anything. So how important is it to catch something when you're out there? For me, it's not important. It's all about the company. How about your company That's then? Let me ask them, how do they? How do you feel about it, Lou and Chris and Ryan, about not having caught anything in the past two hours when you're on on a blustery, frozen lake? One less thing to have to haul back to shore, I suppose. The thrill of the hunt isn't all about the capture of the fish. It's just about being out here and experiencing the joy and process of a bunch of men getting together and getting out of their home in the middle of winter to do something. Lou, let me ask you, as because I know you want you want to get back to your quote-unquote fishing. Lou, this is something you did not grow up with. You you wasn't even friends of friends who could have done this, given where you grew up. No. Uh, when, when you look at this experience now, compared to when you were a kid, how, how do you measure those what what you're doing now? Uh, just another uh, another thing to check off the bucket list. <laughs> <laughs> I've done it. Well, I'm. Uh, I think I've I've fulfilled my Canadian citizenship uh, prerequisites now, and uh, it's mine. Pretty impressive. Is his first time on a snowmobile as well, and he piloted it around the lake. I think racing any on onlooker on taker. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> I think their biggest challenge that being inexperienced ice fishermen is. Where, where do you go? Like, like we kind of just came out onto the ice and went to the channel, like where the channel is. And, you know, like, okay, it's got to kind of be deep there. You know, like having a boat and, you know, having a, a fish finder and stuff like that. Like, I think that's the challenge of having some local knowledge would be very helpful, like to get some fish. Well, that sounds like a not so subtle plea to, to, to for me to, to send out the request. If there's anybody out there who is an experienced ice fisher person, um, yes. Let us know, and, and we'll put you in touch with these four new-to-ice fishing fishing people. Yes, Thank you. Exactly. My thanks to Daryl James, Louis Segura, Ryan Crozier, and Chris Schmidt for taking time from their ice fishing trip to speak with me. From two-time Juno award-winning artist and producer Daryl James, and now also an expert ice fisher, and from his solo project Close Kicks, this is a song called Always Be Alright, featuring Brooke Stevenson. I lose track of my head, forget what I said, go the wrong way instead. Walk clumsily, trip over my feet, don't care what they
a song called Always Be Alright featuring Brooke Stevenson and produced and written by Lindsay's own Daryl James of Close Kicks. Look for a new single from Close Kicks dropping February 24 worldwide. Taking over the family farm is the stuff of literature and lore and more than a few warm and fuzzy movies. But often, usually likely, it involves more than just tossing the keys to the tractor to the next generation. You may well know someone who's gone through it. I mean, Corth Lakes is largely farm country. If you do, it's also likely the person told you their family farm transition experience, even if it was mapped out years previous, involved a lot of paperwork, concessions, compromises, and the law. Okay, I'm out of my depth here when it comes to how the law factors into all of this. So, uh, yeah, let's go with some... More than just words of wisdom, it's wards of wisdom. Wards of wisdom. Chris Award is a principal owner of Ward's Lawyers, a legal firm here in Cortha Lakes with a team of seven lawyers. Ward's Lawyers is also the official sponsor of the Advocate Podcast. Carissa specializes in business, corporate, and estate law, and she now makes her debut on the program. Thanks for doing this, Carissa. Thank you, Denny, for having me. So what, in your experience, is the biggest legal hurdle, if I can use that word hurdle, in passing on the family farm that maybe the parties involved they don't really think about, they don't consider. Yes, and I think hurdle is a very good word. Issues that relate to who should be living on the farm, how do mom and dad continue to be supported through the retirement, taxes, valuation, is there other assets other than the farm, ability to, um, and experience of the successor farmer in order to be able to take over the farming operations, and contingencies such as a premature death, disability, separation, divorce, or a simple change of mind. Lots of considerations. However, I think the biggest hurdle actually for a family starting to move forward with their planning is um, how to deal with, especially when there's other children involved. That's the, I think the biggest hurdle psychologically to taking that step forward because it kind of puts a block. And so often I, I say, you know, the best way to get over that hurdle is not to worry about it so much trying to sort it out in your own head, but get the process started, get your advisors lined up. What kind of advisors are you talking about? Financial Lawyer, advisors? accounting, and- financial advisors. Put the team in place and they'll help you figure that plan out. But uh, unfortunately, sometimes a lot of the parents get stopped by worrying about how to solve that problem that that they don't take the first step to moving forward to solve the problem by speaking to people that can help them figure it out. There's a lot of emotion involved in this. So if I understand this right, are you suggesting before you even announce who's taking over the farm, sit at a table like this with with those advisors and and maybe those advisors can help you determine what child is best suited? Well, there's that. I think a lot of parents know which child is the best suited. I think that usually is fairly clear. It's more about how to deal with the whole family because when you're talking about transferring a farm you're really talking ultimately about a a estate plan at the end of the day things might happen before death in terms of putting that plan in place but at the end of the day we're talking about how do we leave a legacy for all of our children and um, because often with farms the farm is the biggest and sometimes the only asset. And that's the biggest legacy. Exactly. And if we're often there is only one child that probably is taking over, sometimes there's more. 
but um, how do we deal with those other kids? And I think that becomes the problem that stops people from moving forward because they, they get anxious about or concerned about how do I treat the others fairly. And they're coming to you for, for counsel, obviously. And I, I know you're walking a fine line, but let's say I'm that person and I have four kids. That one is the best one suited to take over the farm. What advice can you give me in terms of how to placate those other three children in a legal sense? Like, is there anything that you can draw on and say, okay, well, I don't know, is it as simple as, well, that person gets the machinery, that person gets the land, that person gets the livestock? Is that, or am I just tossing those out? Well, I mean, those are considerations, but there's so many factors that go into figuring it out. Taxes, right? What other assets there are? Is there life insurance? Are they married? Are they not? In order to figure that out, you really got to get all the information on the table with the advisors because once they have that information, they can start to present options. The important thing is to remember that fear doesn't mean that all children get the same value ultimately from the legacy you're leaving behind. And a lot of times what happens in a farm family is there's one or maybe two children that have taken over the operations are spending a lot of time and effort into running the farm, uh, slowly taking on the responsibilities from the parents, and often not necessarily getting paid in the same way that we would if we went and worked for a company down the street. So when they inherit, they're inheriting something that they, in a large part, have also earned through sweat equity. And that's, so that's where fair and equal don't always, you know, it's not value necessarily or hard dollar value that we're looking at. It's this person has come in, has taken over the operations, has supported mom and dad through retirement by carrying on the operations. And and now we're recognizing that. And fair is such a moving needle, though, as any family will, will, will attest to that. Yes. So from a legal standpoint, what would you advise that person who says, look, I want to be fair, knowing that it's really hard one is understanding what other things of value and not necessarily dollar value but value to the family is there to distribute you could also structure a, a transaction in a way that maybe the the one child that's taking over the farm is paying in part for the farm the planning is generally parent driven but you want to solicit the input and share the plan with the other family members because what that often does is flush out either unspoken assumptions or expectations or misconceptions that gets them on the table and can be addressed when the parents are alive and everybody is at the table so that we're not at a point where okay somebody's now died we're all grieving and now we just found out that Johnny got the farm and we didn't get anything and why is that how do you approach them with that that clause of okay we need to examine here what happens if there's a relationship breakdown i'm, I'm going to guess in a lot of cases people are, are wary of even bringing that up um i find usually the parents that's a big consideration for them when they're setting up the plan because they want to make sure when they hand over the farm or what have you that a subsequent marital breakdown or a common law split doesn't interfere or deprive the family of the farm. When you say interfere, you're saying that they may want a clause that says, look, um, Sarah and Mike, if you split up, 
we want to ensure that the farm goes to our son Mike and not Sarah. Is it is that is that kind of a facile way of explaining? Yeah, it? and it's not just about um, the property itself going, but a financial claim that could ultimately result in having to sell the farm in order to pay the financial claim to the spouse. Obviously, marriage agreements are things that are used to deal with that situation. The parents might put a condition on child A receiving the farm. There's other constructs like. Uh, loans instead of an outright gift. There are family trusts that can be used to provide a level of protection around the farm. So there's lots of different things you can do. One of the challenges too in when you're looking at that issue is there's often tension between achieving a really great accounting tax plan for the transfer and the family law side of things. You also have the the issue of the farm house and often maybe there's a few farmhouses involved on the properties or the various properties and the competing interests of mom and dad often want to stay on the farm as long as they can but the new generation needs to have somewhere to live too you've got issues of um, mom and dad ultimately may have to relocate to town or to a retirement home in order to have a better living condition that supports their health and personal needs and if they're off the farm okay so now we need to make sure there's enough income to support their living arrangement off the farm which often you know now they're paying separate fuel costs and all of those things that might have been wrapped up in the farming operations how often does this go smoothly in all the cases that you've done without any real major hiccups or hurdles or people storming out of a room how often does it just (laughs) you know surprisingly um i would say i've Rarely, if I've, I've ever had it stop because somebody's dug their heels in. You know, I find people are generally want to get a plan in place. They know that they need to do it and very open to discussing it and, and having the guidance to move along. It takes time and you need, you need a team in place that can help you through it. Carissa Ward is a lawyer and principal owner of Ward's Lawyers in Lindsay. She specializes in business, corporate, and estate law. You're listening to the Advocate Podcast, stories from Kawartha Lakes. Not so humble brag right now, our community, thank goodness, has not been subject to constant vehicle honking by an angry mob. Uh, Of course, we're all tired of, well, you know. But let's hope we can all remain patient for a bit longer, for the greater good, We cannot, should not, make any rash decision fueled by impatience. That'll only lead to hardship. You know what? It's a bit like, it's a bit like when you're driving on Kent Street west of Angeline, heading west, and and you want to turn left, and in the oncoming traffic, is too busy to allow you to do it safely. And then you think, just go for it, and 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 then you think that maybe that. Dream sequence, dream sequence, dream sequence, dream sequence. Hey, Denis. Thanks for joining me on this road trip. Oh, my pleasure, Mark. And thanks for being triple vaxxed and recently completing an isolation period to ensure our trip together is safe. Uh, now, if I can just make this turn... Oh, and congratulations on reaching 10 million downloads of the podcast. Uh, it, it's not actually quite that... Many. Denis, you need to remember, this is your dream sequence. So let's go with 10 million. Uh, agreed. And might I add that I'm especially enjoying my new full head of hair that is not receding mm-hmm. at all. If 
only this darn traffic would ease up, Mark. Even in February, all the cottagers and farmers come into town on Fridays. What is it about Fridays? Hey, if this trip is going to take a while, why don't you make a left here and we can hit up the drive through at Mc... Huh. Seems like I can't say Mc... Well, Mark, even though this is a dream sequence, there's no need to give free advertising to a major corporation or, you know, Mick Corporation. But sure, let's grab some food, even though the drive-through is bound to be crazy busy. Yeah, this strip of Kent Street is the most dangerous in town, especially on a Friday. Drivers seem so impatient, like somehow as we get closer to the weekend, the rules of the road don't seem to apply as much. Yeah, that, that is such crazy logic. It, it's kind of like... Um... It's, it's like this pandemic. We're all so tired of these restrictions, and so many of us have done all the right things. We got vaccinated, got boosted, and we just want to get on with our lives. But that alone doesn't mean that we should dangerously, dangerously cross two, two lanes, lanes of traffic, traffic while risking the lives of others just because we want to indulge in a large fry, large drink, and big with extra cheese. Exactly. This pandemic is not over. People are still getting seriously sick. We need to remain smart, safe, and focused on the greater good. Right, and, and not recklessly turn into traffic just because of something we want. I find the whole thing exhausting. Let's not talk about it. It's stressful enough. Just trying to turn left on... Uh, Mark, careful, careful. Uh, trying to turn left into that restaurant that uses an odd-looking clown to pitch its burgers. Uh-oh. Look at that line of cars coming at us. We could be here for a while. Mm, I guess we'll just have to be patient. Yep, because if we're not, and we try to rush, we could both be smash-browned. <laughs> smash-browned? That's a great line, Mark. Well, in this dream sequence, I guess I'm the comedian, Denny. Hey, why don't we drive up to the next light, turn left into that uh, large Canadian hardware store that also sells tires? And then we can turn around and drive east on Kent and very easily turn right into that drive through that shall remain nameless. You know, that sounds like a plan, Mark, because waiting to make this left turn is kind of like waiting for the pandemic to be over. Maybe we just need to adjust or, or wait until the traffic eases. You know, Denis, there is definitely more than, shall I say, a McNugget of wisdom in that statement. That whimsical dream sequence sketch, which, dare we say, really does serve as a nice metaphor for where we're at right now, was written by Lindsay's own Mark Doble. Mark is also the co-author of Dominic Troiano, His Life in Music. And Mark was not in a car with me when this sketch was recorded. Ooh, the magic of audio, right? Since February 15, 2020, our very first episode, Ward's Lawyers has been our official and exclusive sponsor. For all your legal needs, they've got you covered. Go to wardlegal.ca to see what they can do for you. Our theme and musical bridges were written and performed by the uber-talented Gerald Van Halteren. If you like this program, please do what people do to support a show they enjoy by subscribing for free on various platforms, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Go to our Facebook page and please like it. And please tell others about the Advocate Podcast Stories from Kawartha Lakes, which is written, hosted, and produced by me, Denis Grignon. 
Please remember that following rules may not always be fun, but it's the right thing to do for everyone. Talk to you in two weeks. With all due respect to how good the popcorn is here, <laughs> it really is about people wanting to support the theater. I'm most, most definitely. It was, it was 100% just people wanting to support us.